0: Tommy Green here. Uh, Welcome to uh, the Rev Talks podcast, Uh, powered by the Rev Gatherings, a a community of young and emerging leaders and a digital tribe for those of us who are keeping in step as the face of the church changes in our generation. If this is your first time joining us, uh, welcome home. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, give us a five-star review, tell your friends and family, share it around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, if you're interested in joining our community and uh, getting to know us more, please visit us at therevgatherings.com. See you on the other side. What's up, you guys? So um, <clears throat> I'm so excited to introduce you to our co-host here on the Rev Talks podcast. He is a uh, all-around fantastic human being. He's been um, one of the, the I don't know, one of the, the coolest gifts that Chrissy Green and me have experienced in another human in the last... Um, last handful of years man just an amazing person he's he is a uh, he's an entertainer he's uh an amazing to me he's a comic he's uh he's a pastor um he's just got the right kind of heart um super intelligent way fun to talk to and so i know he's going to bring a really cool perspective and um, insight for a lot of uh, people on the journey. So um, I'm excited to introduce everyone to the co-host of the Rev Talks podcast. His name is Johnny Giovanni. He is a dear friend, and uh, I'm so excited for you guys to meet him. Um, I we basically have like a quick introduction call, and then we just get right into kind of life and his journey, and um, we talk about navigating the corporate call versus the personal call. Um, kind of, kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of like, how do you, how do you see the microcosm of the church, um, any organization, any kind of structure, what it's like for him to kind of live and die in LA, um, and his own personal fight to stay relentlessly optimistic and believe the best and have radical hope for people. Um, that's that's when he's at his best. That's how I know him. And like many of us, he's experienced a whole host of really heavy things in the last couple of years that have really tested that commitment for him. So he's sort of reorienting his life. Um, he's, uh, he's just incredible. So I can't wait for you guys to meet him. We're going to do uh, probably a weekly podcast together and just co-host a talk, um, probably do some interviews down the road, but, um, welcome, welcome to our co-host Johnny Giovanni. Love you guys. See you on the other side. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. All right. Johnny G. Johnny G, <laughs>
1: buddy. <Hello>. What's good?
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. This is happening. This is happening. It's our, first, oh. it's our first real episode of the Rev Talks podcast,
1: co-hosting together. Cone-a-dash. <laughs> <laughs> Co-hosted. <laughs> Heck
0: yeah. Okay, so I want you to tell maybe people that don't know maybe they have no idea who i am they know who you are or people that have no idea who you are because they know who i am talk about the genesis how the heck did this even happen
1: bro how does this happen well here's here's how this happens <laughs> the origin story when, we, when the meteor came from outer space and dubbed us a co-host of the rev talks podcast absolutely um it'd be my pleasure um i mean we just like we've been around us like I don't even want to call it a motley crew anymore. Like, cause I think we usually, we, we will throw it around. Like it's some like ragamuffin crew, but it's actually like this legit group of people that like are so like, this is like legit group of people that like their whole goal is just to like make sure that nobody gets left behind, that nobody feels on the outs. And we just, we just like bound together. So this our rev crew, Salt Lake, you know, and just like, just the, the ideas and the people and the experiences that we want to tell stories and we want to like reach out and do something that's like inclusive for people that don't always feel included. So I'm like, I'm into it.
0: Well, how, okay. So talk about this then. So the rev, the rev gang, we've been doing that for a while. Talk about how did Johnny G and Tommy G become, how
1: how did that happen? Talk about that a little bit. What's the genesis of our friendship? You mean because I am like the epitome of hardcore? <laughs> <laughs> I am HXCore X all day? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> Let's started with a live journal, circa 2004. <laughs> 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 I mean.
0: <laughs> heck yeah, that
1: was yeah. it, that was, that was it. it. That was hey, it, that was know, it, that was it. I, I edited, heavily edited photo. MySpace 2004, The rest is history. No, yeah. uh, we met, I was doing like ministry things at a church in Los Angeles called Expression 58. Uh, Tommy was coming through for a, uh, we were hosting and facilitating kind of like a young leaders kind of group that was meeting annually. And I was part of the pastoral team who kind of jumped in and like, I just was, once again, XH, X-core, X, H, X, CORE, X. And we just like could tell each other's like street cred from across the room. And that was how this worked, we locked it in. That's
0: really but, real actually. Chrissy Green <laughs> Green saw you and said, I like Johnny. And I went, cool, he sounds like he's gonna be like one of our friends forever. <laughs> so <laughs> Chrissy sees the person it's like on at that point. So. Um. Um,
1: okay, yeah, so, so kind of stay connected through that world through that kind of space. And wow. i just kept showing up because I'm underemployed and unattached. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for real, though,
0: you're doing pastoral work, you're doing like ministry stuff. But then in the last like four years, specifically, I feel like for four to six years, you've been like, in this kind of like, different. Trajectory, kind of getting guided out of yeah, the dream that was ministry into like something else. So maybe talk a little oh, bit yeah. about that. Man.
1: Well, uh, I mean, growing up, my big dream was always to pursue a career in entertainment, um, to be an entertainer, to act, um, sing, dan- just kind of like to perform and, and be in front of people. And so um, I always had that was kind of the the goal when I was in high school, kind of what I was really like just passionate about and then um senior year winter camp with my youth group had this really interesting like god moment on the ground um and i was not one for altar calls for the most part but it was an interesting moment where it was like i just felt like i uh, this like god calling me to pursue ministry and so um so i went i applied to i had applied to all these schools and then I, I had applied to one Christian school, college, university, that because of its reputation. And they ended up not having a pastoral care program. And I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to be broke the rest of my life, I might as well not have to do like eight years of school for it. Because that was at 17, that was 19, 18 years old, that was like the very thought out <laughs> thinking I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to school and you know it was really interesting this ministry thing is, has been really interesting because i think the short version of me and i think this is why i love i i connected so well with you and chrissy and with the rev crew is um i remember that same year at a summer camp um the short version of that the short version of this is we were a little beach community um in a cool like a denomination where not every school was a beach community and so we went to the oc was filmed in my hometown you know what I mean that <laughs> was filmed like at my high school so it was like one of those things where like you have we go to the summer camp all these kids who live by the beach you know dress differently in terms of summer clothing than kids who don't and one of the pastors at the summer camp was basically told one of our girls hey you should probably wear a longer skirt I can see everything you've got going on under there and that like our youth pastors almost got in a fight and it was like this big drama and part of that was this idea that I, I had met and been around. I didn't grow up in the church. I'd never been a part of church culture. So this idea of, I want to be a pastor for the sake of taking care of people. And if there's one more of me, who's willing to like, always honor people, always take care of people. There's one less of these assholes who are going to like these people that like want to commit, want to demand behavior and want to demand this compliance. and want to demand homogeny and like this, this even the like the literary idea of the pastor who's just kind of manipulating and and abusing in some ways his, his congregation through moral control and all that it's just these things where it was like god was too real for me for a pastor to not be a person that represents a real god and so for me that was why i did ministry now the trick of it the, the complicated part of it is like my sophomore year of school I had this uh, little encounter in a class. It was about the theology of the church. And I remember the Lord, it was basically a thing where like, it was a weird thing, but it was like a a church that was helping, had showed up to help a porn theater in town, like clean up their facade or something like that. And it was one of those things where like, the pastor was like, it's not that it's about this thing. It's about this church showing up in extravagant ways to like be, change the opinion of us, of, people who feel outsided by the church, you know, and they suddenly do something that like heals a little something in between them. And there's something about that that just caught me. And I think this idea that like, I, for me, maybe as an abstract thinker, like I don't need to be right in all these theologies and I don't need to like make these demands on other people in their journey. And I think the Lord kind of in that moment was like, you're not called to vocational ministry, you know, wow. you're, you're, he, because our the professor was like, if you're a pastor, you're going to pastor regardless. You're going to pastor no matter what you do. And, <clears throat> and that moment, I think the Lord was like, you're not called to the church. You're going to be called to other spaces. And your pastoral gift is who you are. Mm-hmm. Now, the complicated thing in finishing school and moving home in the middle of a recession is, you know, I don't know. There There is that very real thing where, like, for me, I think I've always been a tra- I, I I've never been the most entrepreneurial person, you know, so or like so i I jumped into trying to get involved in ministry in very like typical ways and um i found a community that was like i felt really built for the industry i felt really built for entertainment i felt like when i was coming back home from school i wanted to do ministry in an entertainment context and just be present in the entertainment community um and the, the interesting part in that just kind of i felt i found a church that was a mix of all my things social justice worship um, and I just was like, I just want to be a part of that. Um, but I think kind of mid-recession and not really being on staff anywhere or, or like having a call, but not necessarily a task in that same space. Um, I kind of used, I the church was exciting. It was everything I was looking for. It was like this fantastic blend of everything I am. At the same time, I think I used, the journey of like moving out of the church was I think I use my success in that space of church as a way to kind of circumvent the call, that I was the work I was supposed to do individually in, in personal. So
0: break that open. Just because so, there's a lot of people that feel like they have a call or yeah. they have a, they have a, they have a task. They don't have a call. They have a call. They don't have yeah. a test. So there's a lot of people that feel like I feel called to do the kingdom stuff. And I also am a human on this unique journey in God. And maybe they Maybe they run parallel, maybe yeah. they work together, maybe they don't. So for you, you're like, man, if I can just keep staying into this ministry thing, maybe I won't actually have to venture into myself, my own journey. So exactly. what, what was that? What did you realize? What is it?
1: Well, I think for me, um, what I, I, there's, there's this mix between I'm like, there's a, there's a journey between being talented at things. Like I have a really strong moral, ethical value in terms of ministry, moral, ethical standards, and, and benchmarks in terms of doing ministry. And it's, it's empowering, it's like breaking down a lot, of, like, a lot of people who grow up in the church and grow up with very like domineering mindsets and worldviews that I didn't grow up in and then never had exposure to, but it was like stuff that was the more oppressive and characteristically oppressive things in church like my call is to kind of break those things down to re-empower people to paint a new very like gracious picture of God for some people that have never been able to experience God in that way and like even for me like like even this idea of kind of this this uh, new language of like deconstruction in the church where people are breaking down these old oppressive ideas to build something new I've never had to deconstruct beliefs in the way that like I've only I've had the opportunity to like my experience has been only adoption of beliefs and theologies and understandings of God. And so um, there's that thing as a pastor and someone who feels really uniquely called to pastor people and to be caring for people and to be disarming and safe for people. Um, So there's that space where like when you go to a ministry context and there's imbalance and you go to a ministry context and you see people who have never experienced like a safe place type of Christianity or an empower type of Christianity, or a, like a, a, an experience of God, that their personal identity is valuable. Um, yeah. You feel really like drawn to have to like manage that and create that. And we were a new church kind of building culture and especially in even prophetic and charismatic culture, which I believed in deeply, but I also believed in that there's like an ethical, there's an ethical space there. Like if, you know, and I think that's just the ability to like, as a pastor, I can look at people and the amount to which, lay members of a church and especially charismatic church are willing to like abandon them their senses of self and their own care for themselves at the name, at the word of the man of God, at the word of something deemed prophetic. It's very easy to manipulate people. And I think for me, I had this strong desire and like d- d- drive inside of me to like build a safe and protect a safe culture of the prophetic that works in opposition sometimes to <clears throat> what we've kind of let, happen so so all that to say is I got really connected it it maintained so then I you know I felt really purposed there because I was buying into this vision and really adopting this vision as my own and as one as a as one of the few pastorally a few religiously educated people on the team there's a lot of people that were career pastors but very people that were deeply called to pastoral ministry Um, the Lord had told me they're going to need pastors so stick around like we yeah. need you here and so i just committed hook line like for better or for worse in this community over time though i think and then you know the church itself and i unbeknownst to me was very connected in you know uh in the like the who's sexy of this like minuscule little corner of the church you know of the billions of the, we have this microscopic little con- like corner of like born born again reformed christians and the scope of the planet yeah that, bo- that thinks very highly of itself at times but <laughs> you know like in that space i did unbeknownst to me because i was never a part of that world um i found out that some of our leadership and stuff were very connected to sexy time people in that space which you know i've always had as a person and this is a weird thing to say sometimes because when you've when you've had favor some people want to say favor i feel like i'm you know when you're relationally intelligent when you're earnest when you try to yeah. be honest about you be just like a real person all the time like yeah. i just seem to have had some like relationship ease of relationship with powerful or or famous ah, famous isn't too yeah, sure. powerful people honest people successful people it's yeah. been my world my whole life and it's, so it's an interesting place to kind of like just own the fact that like, like, you know, whoever comes in my past, I'm going to just be honest and real and supportive and empowering. And we'll see what we do with that. So all that to say is kind of going through being a part of that church. There's, there was some like honest connection with people in that spaces too. And I, I really wanted to be honest about this too. Cause some people like, these are real friendships. Some of my best friends that come out of these, it have been like people of note in different spaces. Sure. But um, I want to be honest about the fact that, like, I think we always talk about this, that, you know, money, power, influence, fame are like the sexiest things to humanity. We're not, none of us are really built for it, yet everyone, nobody's immune to it. You can say I would yeah, never, yeah, yeah, totally. you can say if I had, if I had $20 million, these all the things I would do with it until you have $20 million in your bank account, you look at what kind of a cheap ass you're going to become. Or totally. like, you know, you got, you got have a billion dollars. And it's like, when faced with the opportunity to save the world, you'd probably keep a billion dollars in your bank account. And that's just how it works. And the same thing goes with like hoarding fame or powerful people. There's a lot of people that are sacrifice a ton of themselves to be around someone with some power. You know what I mean? And so the part of me was, I think I circumvented some of my own personal, um, Personal growth and opportunity and chances to, to put in ten thousand hours towards something in the like, some of the ease of relationship and the ease the sense of I just I found my sense of success within this church community, yeah that was maybe different from my own personal building something and totally. as time goes on you realize like, you know, there is that weird thing where like I'm you know. I hadn't built anything uniquely my own. And over time, you, I mean, churches are complicated in that space too where, or, you know, I, when I was in college, my, I had a really hard time cause I'd never been a part of or Christian culture. I didn't realize Christian culture was the thing. I didn't realize there was so much division within Christianity. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize there was so much judgment <clears throat> of the world cause I didn't go to, I wasn't a part of a really small church that just didn't operate that way. And I think it just was too small to be of anything. But I was really brokenhearted my, after my freshman year of college because I, I didn't understand why people put caveats on your faith. I didn't understand why this mm-hmm. idea that like the church, that people can be like givers of grace, that people are the, 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 the humans are the ones that like dole out grace to people and, and have opinions and will invalidate someone's home, very existence just because they don't agree. And it broke my heart. I remember my pastor being like, well, your school is not a church your school is a school, you know what I mean? And people are people and you can't expect certain things from it. And I think that same thing goes with even the best churches, even the strongest churches are still organizations. And I think organizations typically have to like Mm -hmm. take care of the organization to a certain extent. So until you have something, you know, unless you have an agreement with something, you have to do everything with a grain of salt. And you have to do something a little bit like open-handed, which Mm -hmm. I think is the idea of service anyways. But like, there's a part of me that I was, I had improperly put a lot of my own value and sense of success in a space that was not mine to take success from. And um, so as time has gone on, um, you know, you lose some things, you have like a rough go in different parts and you start to feel like that doesn't, you don't fit the same anymore. But I think at the same time, if I go back to that call, my sophomore year in college, you know. I was never really, I was really trying to, to like fit in a space that like, it's like a puzzle piece that you can technically push down, but it's the wrong puzzle piece. You know what I mean? So yep. that's yep. essentially what it was. And it, you take this level of things that you're skilled at and things you're deeply passionate about. And you just realize like, it was never for that place anyways. And, and you know, I've had to take a little time to like, understand like, take, you know, manage rejection or manage sadness or manage, not, not say that it was a waste but say that it was like purposeful for a time. But that being said, in that journey, I've been, my pastoral dream, my pastoral fantasy, like I was, has always been to be a storyteller and always been to be a performer. And sometimes it's hard to, I I didn't always have like, like I wasn't the kid that was put in like acting classes and stuff growing up, like I did plays, but it was, um, I'd never really had this like open-ended, like high five, like go do your thing you're built for. Yeah. It, was, it, was a, it was a hobby, or, or I felt like it was a hobby because, you know, I was one of five kids. They were all doing sports, and I was the kid doing art. And, like, <laughs> you got to just – and art is one of those things where you have to just believe in yourself regardless. But the pastoral part of me was, like, I want to tell stories that force people to understand a way of life that they wouldn't personally live. Whether mm-hmm. it's poverty, whether it's um, stories of, like, people – like, marginalized people – race, gender, equality, like um, just I wanna tell stories that force people to, to engage with an experience that they would never have access to, that they would never be a part of their stories and figure out what to do with it and i think there's a level of justice and empathy and like that's what it is
0: it's empathy yeah. bro it's an empathy thing it'll, yeah and it'll, so, save, it'll save so many people's lives bro
1: exactly and so that's kind of like the fantasy i have and i think you know entertainment's weird because like you do it out of purpose you can do it out of drive and it's this thing that's like it's it's a dream it's nothing until it, it's everything but it's nothing until it's something yeah. and it's this yeah. wild space and so um in the last in that kind of transition outward from ministry stuff or feeling less like I fit in, in it. Um, I feel like, you know, I was also feeling a lot of called push out to just be like, all right, it's time. You have to just figure out a way you have to just do it and find the space to land in. So, um, so yeah, so where I'm at now is it's like, I still feel like deeply called as in a pastoral space to be safe and to be like empowering for people to be like, disarming and, and make space for everybody who can who's or whoever comes my you know crosses my path and then um just kind of see what happens you know and
0: yeah
1: and put a little weight on it so but it's been a long journey because I think I didn't I didn't self-empower I didn't empower myself well again you know, and yeah. I think
0: if I if just to, to kind of recap what I feel like I've seen and what can happen is <clears throat> you've got A church culture that actually has momentum. You're in a beautiful place that you love. You're ministering to people within the entertainment industry. And as far as church in the charismatic realm goes, you're around a bunch of cool celebrity people. So it feels like movement, momentum, like it feels like, you know, this is it. Like this is the spot. And so you don't have to become the actual actor that you should be, or the stand-up comic. You don't have to go do routines. You don't gotta get up anywhere. Yeah. Like, cause I'm do I'm significant here. Yeah, and I is. wonder a little bit about that picture of like, as you were talking, I just thought there's the parable of the, the dude that gives talents to the three people. And I wonder sometimes how many Christian people have taken the talent that God's given them and buried it in the ground called the church, but it was supposed to go out into the marketplace and God's God's giving us like uh, God's giving people all the time. Hey, if you want to dig that up and go invest that where I want it, go do that because the church isn't big enough to hold all of you. Like that's not, it. it's like any more than the church is necessarily big enough to hold the desire for all the people outside of the church. Like, so I guess that's what, as you started thinking, as you started talking about that, I was like, man, it's crazy because we really do. We bury our talent in him and go, can you keep this? Is this good enough? And I feel like he keeps going, no, man, go, go. And we're like, totally. no, 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 here. And he's like, no, 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 out there. And we're like, ah. so oh, totally. and we're willing, we're willing to do it. Cause that's what Christianity looks like, but we're not called necessarily into the church. We're called, into the world and we bring that sort of church heart with us. But that's a process, man. I just think yeah. there's a lot of people that have done or are doing the same thing. And they're, they've hit the wall. They're, they're see the wall. They're about to hit the wall
1: or they don't know, but the wall is coming. <laughs> right. 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 And I think, and I, yeah. And I think to a certain, to like, for me, I was like, there's this pastoral experience. Like I just spent four years in like, Getting a bachelor's degree in pastoral leadership. And like, so you've got this like kind of dichotomy of things, and like to realize that that might be an investment in my own personal identity space and like value rather. But then I think there is a place, I think even like less than LA's, LA would probably operate the same as any small town where the best thing you do have going on is the church. You know what I mean? Or like LA is also a place where like, like they say, a land of a thousand dying dreams. It's like you could call it that, but it's also a thing where like there's a lot of people in this like really exciting, really energetic place mm-hmm. that you know you're in a lot of people with purpose and vision fighting to try and make something happen in an almost an impossible arena yeah and then in some spaces the church then becomes this only thing that gives you a taste of what you know you're dreaming about and you know it's, Chigness, it's a lot harder platform yeah I'm from la so for me my entire family's here like the ability to be here is a little different from all the people who've sacrificed everything to get out here. Totally. And you're like, I'll never lose LA. Some people are, some, <clears throat> most people are like six weeks away from having to move home. They're literally one like catastrophic life event away from having to just like bail because totally. that's, how, like, that's how much this teeters. And so it is wild. Yeah. I mean, and it's one of those things where like, you know, even though it's like, it wasn't BS, you know what I mean? My relationships, my interactions, even my pastor, like the theology and stuff. And I think there's a part of the church too, and especially maybe like uniquely to this time in history, there is this sense of like, we're calling into question a lot more of like what we've believed and been taught. I think there's a lot of times where people feel this compulsion to have to micromanage the church in the space that like a lot of people will sacrifice themselves improperly, you know, to the pastor or to churches and to church culture that sometimes is not does not have people's best interests in mind you yeah. know? And so you want to say something that thing like face, I think there's that social media thing where like small voices seem a lot louder. Like, I feel like I'm reaching a further network than I'm actually reaching. And I feel like other people are <laughs> reaching networks further than they're actually reaching because I'm seeing it online. It's not the same, but yeah, it is. It, it's complicated. The church. It, well, and also the church is a microcosm, right? It's an intentional yeah. organization. It's like a high school. It's like a college. It's its own little world that, sometimes only extends so far out but it feels like everyone's people's everything and so yeah it's it's sometimes the place where people can for me i just was like i had honest in retrospect but like i let it in the very least i let it supplement my own personal sense of success and purpose
0: start over with that because i lost
1: so the church is a microcosm microcosm. so like if you think about high school right let's watch let's talk about mean girls let's talk about Breakfast Club, let's talk about like all the like a high school drama. Like we're taught we're you know, in a show like that, in a movie like that, you can see there's a there's a hierarchy, there's a social structure dynamic, there's a power dynamic, there's all these things that happen and in this small intentional space, right? So it's like so it's like the real world doesn't exist like our high schools we went to. You know, I mean it does in some ways, but like the high schools we went to have their own power dynamic, their own social hierarchy, their own level of success. And you can thrive within the like confines of high school. You know, you can be like, I'm killing it at this high school right now because I know how it works. And you can do that in college. Like I went to a small college and you can kind of work the system. You can get in with your school administration. Like we had my university, we had such a small school, but we were all, my group of friends were leaders and we would get tight with the administration and like the school shut down one month went a few weeks for fires or something. And we moved into an office on campus and just like the school bought us pizza and took us to lunch. And I was like, see, this is stupid. Like this shouldn't be, this isn't normal, but it is (laughs) awesome. But you learn how to work the system and churches are exactly the same way is that they are within themselves a small intentional society and culture, a microcosm of real life that has its own power dynamics, has its own like societal structure, its own like sexy people and its own outside people. And you know, if you let yourself, you can, and if you're socially smart, if you play the right game, you can call it politics, you can call it just showing up. Like you can find your way into feeling successful in that space and like very easily that, and kind of do it at the expense of the rest of your life. You know?
0: No, it's true. It's true. It's a significance thing. And I think, I wonder how often we are, there's been people that are willing to sacrifice long-term, really rich, like um, <clears throat> they'll sacrifice long-term wealth in God for short-term riches in the church. Oh, totally. and, and there's a different journey completely. And I think most people find deeper fulfillment when they're, I would say it like this, navigating church, when you're into it, when you're like, I'm doing this, a lot of times is god disappointing you out of a small vision until you really find your lane and okay. then you're like oh my gosh thank you for not allowing me to stay where but it's also it's just growth and progression but i think when you feel like you've been saved from something into something and then you realize that god's like the something that you were saved into called the church called salvation called this experience this faith experience that's actually, that's supposed to actually help me and you grow you. It's not supposed to be the space that you just live in forever. But I think we're really scared. That's scary. It's super scary. I feel like that's what I say all the time. is like I sucked so bad at life that when I got saved, I was like, Hey, don't give me life. I'm going to break it all over again. And he's so just (laughs) let me stay here. And he's like, no, 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 no. So I think as you share that journey and just go, as you described the microcosm, the self-servingness, the institution or the organization that is every single church community, like every business, like every, potentially every social circle, every organization, they have their own little world that they exist to do. And part of navigating your faith journey, especially in the days to come is going to just be recognizing that, while it's a different thing, it's kind of the same everywhere you go, right? Man. What? okay. So let me, let me do this yeah. then. So what, cause I feel a little bit like we're going to have so many conversations. So, okay. <laughs> so here we go for this, for this whole, for this episode, yeah. we're all the time together. Right. So people have a chance to hear your heart, LA entertainment, pastoral ministry, super fun amazing bridge builder storyteller in the last handful of years. And more specifically right now in the midst of all the kind of political unrest, the shifts and the changes, Corona camp, Christianity, 2020, what has stayed the same for you about Jesus? What has changed the most for you about Jesus? And that'll be it, bro. And oh, then we can yeah. alienate, we'll alienate a bunch of people and then we'll just move right on, bro.
1: What has stayed the same?
0: Cause I usually, I usually ask every interview person on this. Cause I've, I've, I did a bunch of interviews on, on my own. We, we have to do a bunch now together, but I'll usually ask people like, who is Jesus then? Who is he now? And so for you, who was Jesus when you were forfeiting your calling for the task at hand who is Jesus now that you feel like you're striking out in your own kind of empowerment? Mm
1: -hmm. I think there, I think there was, I, um, I think to a certain extent, Jesus was in, especially calling. um, I, I don't know if I would have given it as something uniquely like uniquely for me to a certain extent. Like I felt like my, I, I had this like, my, the radical experience of God in my like high school years and in college like gave me this like sense of like the, the, this deep seated stability in my faith to a certain extent um but I think i own and, and it allowed me to serve people like i think and, and I think part of that was like I felt like I had a really cool understanding of who God was that I could like impart that to people and like wow. empower them in their own faith now the problem was i think the problem with that is. I, I don't know if I looked at it as uniquely for me. You know what I mean? I think in the, I think there's a part of me that, um, did, couldn't accept that it was maybe just like uniquely. I like, like, like people who who were able to like run out of this like deep and personal drive, I felt like I was, I was serving ideas rather than like fully experiencing them for myself, Uh if that makes sense. So it was like a, a really interesting dynamic that I didn't, I didn't expect. Was that like, I, I don't know, I would think of I, as I pushed people into their own callings and deeper into their personal callings, that I felt like um, God was specifically like making space for my own. And, and I think that comes with even some of the pain at the back end of the church thing was like, you give and you give and you give and you feel like everything fell apart, you know? And I spent 10 years kind of like giving, giving, giving in this space that I think was not about god it was ultimately like the 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 disconnect became running out of steam in a space that was never really mine to stand in fully you know in the way that i had been not that it wasn't worthwhile just it wasn't necessarily where i was supposed to spend that much time and i think i internalized that as like god let me down or god didn't protect my calling or god didn't protect my space um so um so yeah, so that was, that was really difficult. And I think in that pain, there's also those things where you stop, you start to lose a little bit of sight of like the power of like the, these, you know, we know certain things about who God is and who Christ is that are like, non negotiable, like they are, he will never not be loving, he will never not be empowering, he will never not be caring, he will never not see you, he will never not validate your existence, you know, we, we see these things. And these are some of the things I would impart to people. He will never take away my own sense of self. He'll never take away my free will to, to pursue him. He'll never make caveats for like how I serve him. You know, like so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so even those things were like I forgot some of those things in the pain or rejection, or as like my relationship with in church spaces got a little has felt a little strange sometimes. Um so moving, how do I how has he changed? Is I see him a little bit more, um, for me uniquely you know what i mean i'm like i feel like i'm just i feel like i'm just meeting him a little bit as like in the space of like protecting calling not thinking that like i don't know what what what, there's a there might have been a part of me that thought like i would just fall in to my calling you know what i mean mm, and that was out of youth and i think that was out of service it was out of just continuing to show up like i bought a car right when i graduated college literally knowing I was going to drive it into the ground to do ministry for this church. You know what I mean? So there's parts of me that was like, and they, they and it's not that I'm unseen there or it's not like anyone's forgotten here. Like there's a rejection category of rejection there, but it did feel like at the end of that time that I, I, it was all something that I, I did for nothing. And that is mm-hmm. not true, you know, but but that, that's how it feels. There's people that are giving
0: themselves, their energy yeah, their time.
1: you give all yeah. that time and you wonder like, what was that even worth? Like, I, yeah. how can I, how can like a year later of a lot of pain and a lot of like brokenheartedness, um, how can that possibly have been of any value? Well, you know what I mean? For others and you feel completely forgotten or you feel like I literally gave my 20s to this thing and like I, at some point I'm supposed to retire. You know, you just kind of look at <laughs> the long-term, you're like, what like I have friends who are like ten years into relationships and marriages and kids and houses, and I'm like, mm, I'm like, okay, this. Let me tell you, what, I could I can paint a clearer picture of all the ways that I am not those things. Um, but at the same time, feeling even deeply more connected to this call on my life that I literally cannot. Like the hard part and the hard thing, I I before I convince other people, I have to convince myself sometimes. Mm. Um, that this some of these things are like deeply mine to hold on yeah, to. And totally like, well, i gotta figure out what that looks like um so i think how god is now is that uh, there's an invitation to, i think to see him a little more personally than i had like i see him as something very powerful and alive and present to me but also there's a there's a part of me that's like um you know yeah, I think it's the difference between like a lawyer starting at a law firm and starting their own thing. You know what I mean? It's a real estate agent starting at a big company and going out and making their own boutique brokerage. You know, it's like you have these things where it becomes like you serve this idea of a greater entity and then it becomes an entity that maybe is like more uniquely your own and that's still worthwhile. And so. That's cool. Um, and I'm just trying should, not to, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And I think, uh, um, In the world, and that's like a personal thing. I mean, this is a really complicated time to be a Christian, I think, in the history of the world. And um, I think the journey that we're all going to be on, I think it's one of those things where like, um, I don't know, the the picture I could paint of it is I think kind of like a a recession or kind of like a tragedy, let's say your house burns down, you know, you're talking about years and years of recovery to like, you know, you put your life savings in a business and it goes under. And it's years and years of personal recovery and effort to kind of find your way back. Um, Like, I think a lot of people now, you know, we, you know, you can have all the opinions you want about whatever you want with this, with the coronavirus and stuff, but there are people who lost everything after building up to everything and it's going to take them decades to fix it. And I think the church is in a similar space, to be honest. I think like there's a lot of people that are going to throw a lot of bravado and a lot of opinion and a lot of principled, like soapboxing boxing as to who they are and why they are and, and what they like the power position they're in i think the church as a whole is looking down the barrel of like decades of like healing and and trying to we re- i think we all have to reckon and reconnect with like who god is and why he is well it's so, the same
0: journey it's the same journey johnny because you're really talking about yeah i a corporate task a corporate calling versus a personal task and personal calling. Yeah. And you have to shed the trappings of that corporate thing to get real. Yeah. And I think for the church, we're, I think it's a very simple time to be a Christian, probably in tons of other nations. Right. It's just a challenging time to be an American Christian if American comes first. And that's so nice, if you're going to shed awesome. America to take on Jesus, you're yeah. fine. It's the shedding of that all the trappings that go along with being a Christian in this part of the world. Yeah. And who's willing to really be exposed to just God who's willing to go, no, I'm going to bring these ideals with me and we'll see if they're going to last. I just would say all of us have to stand in those moments before oh, yeah. the fiery love of God. And some of the crap that we brought to him burns now. Totally. And then yeah. if it's going to burn now, good to go. But there's a lot of people I think are, they're so married to their, identity as christians as they've known it that they're going to forfeit that personal call deeper into his heart.
1: Oh, totally. And I think that's the idea with like even personal healing and stuff like when I was in college we did in our intercultural studies classes and in our intercultural theologies classes. You know, so much of what you're doing is understanding other cultures and other spaces to contextualize faith. And this is the fantasy of like going into the nations as a missionary and stuff, but you contextualize the faith for cultures that make have no understand like the 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 Jesus story makes no sense in some cultures you know in as much as the fantasy of that class you know but you understand how to how do you contextualize like God is not anti-American but to to have a an American nationalistic like lens on top of uh, off of Christianity or or biblical theology it's not that way but you learn how to contextualize like the Christ centered gospel within an Ameri- a context of American culture, just like Canadians will understand it differently. Like people in South America will understand it differently. People in the Arctic are going to understand it differently. But all that to say is like, we have to, we have to just be willing to like adjust when we don't understand. It's just like I did in that, in the space at my church, you get around sexy people that like, we have these real relationships. You feel like you're succeeding. The hard re the hard pull I had to swallow was like, I, there, was, there were little parts of that that were improper in ways that like only I can identify for myself. Only yeah. I got something yeah. out of it that I shouldn't have. Only I let it circumvent things that I shouldn't have. And like, as much as my relationships are authentic, I have to own the fact that there was something about it that was out of balance. And there was something about it that wasn't, mm-hmm. wasn't bomb. Absolutely. And it, and it, Absolutely. Under, it yeah. undercut my relationships and it undercuts who I am. And I just have to own it for what it's worth. And then Absolutely. adjust. Yeah,
0: same. I would say the same thing in being the front man of a band and watching relationship, having, having, um, what is it, privilege, having privilege as a performer that when I walked into a room, people actually knew who I was and they were stoked. Like there's relational compromises. There's stuff that just happens in having a position that seemingly puts you above in some kind of pecking order where you end up taking on stuff that's not good for you. And I did the same thing i told I totally
1: get that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really cool, okay All right. and I just I think I'm just trying to stay there was a like in my early years of post college and stuff, there was like a there's a level of optimism like I even have on my phone it's like my own life personal mission statement, right and one of the things is like kind of, it's like a boldness, but it all hinges on like being bold in the belief in the goodness of people and the limitlessness of their potential. And I think, and that was like a God given like phrase. And I think there's this, like, I wanted this like obnoxious optimism of other people. And this, like, I want And I think that goes to seeing people, how God sees them. And it's like, I'm not, obnox- I'm relentlessly optimistic and relentlessly believing the best. And I think the last handful of years in ministry spaces, And in the world and politics and in the way that like a lot of people, even some people I've been formally connected with in the past, choose to operate publicly. There's a thing where like I stopped believing that. There's a part of me that was like refusing to believe in like this, be relentlessly optimistic and hopeful of other people. And so there's a part of me that's also still trying to say, I liked myself best when I saw people in that light. And it's I ch- have to choose to like, hold on to that regardless. So well, I'm yeah, trying to figure out how that works, you know? No, and that's the part
0: is like, it's gotta be tested. I would say there's mm-hmm. a beauty to, there's a beauty to innocence that's just deeper than character. Yeah. And then there's something about character, which comes through sh- cutting and, and yeah. wounding and, and through the process. And so to remain relentlessly optimistic when you know there's the Las Vegas shooting and then there's disappointments in ministry right and there's yeah. you lost your you lost your friend the teacher in the Las Vegas shooting yeah. right after we did the fight stories podcast where you were like i'm just sort of like radically optimistic and like yeah. and then wham and then you spent a half a day crying in my house like yeah. yo this is crazy like so i think there's there's an innocence which is deeper than character right but then there's a character Where like, love and hope are very strong. I don't think people understand how tough they are because we beat the hell out of all of those things and they they just keep rising up. Like, and so I think that's, I think you're just in the journey, Johnny. Right, and
1: and I, I think you're very, that's very true. Like in, like kind of in confluence with my, like honestly, timeline wise, for sure, my journey, my journey From being, and I don't say it's, I don't know if I'd say it's out of ministry. I would say probably being less codependent with it, or Mm -hmm. less like less like needing it, less you know using it, to less transactional about it. You know, whether I understood it or not, that whole journey has taken place with some also very significant personal life experiences, like a lot of loss, a lot of grief, a lot of like painful experiences, Um, and. And so, yeah, that's that has been part of it. But I think those are those things too, where like maybe moving forward, it, I mean, little things, even as like in performing and whatever, like it opened up my, you know, my emotions are more open. I'm a little bit more like connected to a raw, gritty sense of self that like I don't know if I was before, you know? You weren't. You weren't. Yeah.
0: And yeah. that's that's what that's the gift that it gives, right? Like, right. It's it. It's just like how Chrissy was saying recently just that idea of like grief becomes an interesting companion for a season and teaches you stuff and if you reject grief you reject a part of the gift that I right. think this stuff brings <laughs> I, I like it I mean I I'm I hate all of the stuff that I feel like we've gone through I like yeah. resent it and don't want it but then when I greet when I greet the experiences like a friend all of a sudden there's it's like Jesus said, you know, agree with your adversary quick. It's like, when yeah. it's like so you don't end up in bondage. And so yeah. I think that's really cool. Okay, well, I'm going to say this. We're going to do this like once a week.
1: We're, I'm so, down.
0: Okay, so. Um, we're we're we'll here for it. There's a week.
1: dash, bro. This
0: it's a co-host, bro. So we'll do <laughs> our weekly. This wraps up. Boom episode episode of first co-host episode of the rev talks podcast so um if people want to follow you and they want to journey with you especially just through social media since we're all in lockdown
1: how do people find you um i'm at johnny (laughs) Giovati, j-o-h-n-n-y g-i-o-v-a-t-i um uh, i'm on i'm currently in the journey i like i love this journey for myself i'm like i'm like trying to like divest from like be less on facebook and moving to twitter's twitter's <laughs> uh that i've had since like 2004 and have like never used them <laughs> that's awesome uh, the twitter and instagram oh we good yeah we're good I'm now so yeah uh twitter. Say twitter, twitter. twitter instagram um i got i said i got a ring light so thirst traps are coming in hot there's, gonna be there's a lot of portraits traps. with that weird little circle in the middle of my eyes So people will know I'm an influencer. I love um, it. You are an
0: influencer, Johnny Giovanni.
1: You'll notice I'm unreasonably attractive with all the filters I put on. So, (laughs) you know,
0: looking up. That's true. Hell yeah. Well, I love you so much. Um, Okay. We'll do it again in a week for everyone that's tuning in. Thanks for checking out and meeting (coughs) our amazing co-host, Johnny Giovanni, on the Rev Talks podcast. Um, Hit us up if you have questions at RevGatherings at gmail.com can visit our community at the RevGatherings.com. And, uh, I don't know. We just launched, like I launched the first two podcasts just for fun yesterday. So they're on Spotify right now, but I feel like they're coming up on Apple soon. So, you know, whatever, hopefully people will be able to find it. I don't know. If not,
1: this was like a great time for us. (laughs) (laughs) It's perfect. All right. I love you a lot. I'll see you soon. Love you. Thanks for tuning in guys. (laughs) Did I feel podcasting?
0: Uh, just a quick sort of uh, promotion or commercial. Um, th- a lot of you guys know that Chrissy and I have a high commitment um, to the struggle and the fight to end uh, human trafficking in our generation. Uh, many of you guys know that we are the directors of a nonprofit called Run Against Traffic. And um, if you have any interest at all in joining the fight with us, if you are a runner or a walker or someone that cares about uh, seeing the survivors um, of human trafficking restored, seeing their lives put back together again after you know, whatever circumstances and situations have brought them through this like terrible journey of force or fraud or coercion um, at the hands of human trafficking, uh, we would just encourage you to visit um, irunagainsttraffic.com. Join the team. Run with us. We do a monthly digital run on the 15th of every month. Uh, pick up some gear. Uh, join a local running club. And share the fight. Um, A lot of people don't exactly know how to get involved with such a big problem. But we just want to invite you guys to become part of um, the uh, Run Against Traffic community. Um, Share this with a running friend. Tell them about it. Visit irunagainsttraffic.com to become part of our team today. Join us in the fight to not just end human trafficking, but um, recover and restore the victims of human trafficking in our generation. Appreciate you guys. Thanks.